Hi, everybody. I've been reflecting a lot lately about uh, just on Philippians 2 and 3 and 1 and uh, the whole book, actually, and feeling like I'm getting kind of a whole other perspective on it, which is often the case. You know, you think you know the Bible, you think you have understood it, and uh, then you realize you're just a complete beginner. Um, Philippians 2 has been just like core to Gracie and my life. Um, this uh, beginning in verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, before that, you know, it's like, don't do anything from selfishness, empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a, of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Okay. This whole scripture has um, mobilized us to want to just uh, set aside our privilege um, which uh, we were very uneasy about when we kind of discovered that we were part of this minority of middle-class, wealthier, privileged people just uh, after we were exposed to, to poverty um, traveling in Central America in the, in the 80s. You know, we just became conscious that, wow, we are, we could, we could move forward based on this foundation of privilege and and just have a successful life. I mean, I have colleagues, friends of mine who are, you know, who are the co-founders of Microsoft. You know, he was in my high school. And others that are just multimillionaires, you know, tons of people that we knew that their trajectory was upward mobility, right? And we felt like this example of Jesus was, was the example that we wanted to follow, in part because of our guilty consciences, no doubt, um, in part because I think the Holy Spirit was guiding us. Um, and so we we moved to Honduras, you know, setting aside the privilege and trying to consider others' interests as more important than our own, you know, the interests of the of the rural poor in Central America and Honduras. And that involved building a, this amazing farm where we learned from a peasant who was a, a master organic farmer who had a third grade education, but we were his students, you know, in this desire to try to humble ourselves and, and really just serve him and his vision. And we built so many compost piles. We visited so many families. Gracie was just on her mule, going from house to house, visiting single moms, helping build con composting latrines. You know, we, we just, I mean, we, we really went all out and, um, you know, it had beautiful results, you know, hundreds, at one point, several thousand families working, you know, using these methods that we were teaching, Bible study groups. There was sort of good works that came out of that, and uh, that propelled us to want to study more theology. So we studied in France. We got degrees, master's, doctorate, came back, started the ministry up here, Family Support Center, farming projects, migrant chaplaincies, jail ministries, 
you know, so many things. And, um, and you know, um, there's just a lot, um, I think, that in this vision of trying to be downwardly mobile and follow the path of Jesus, we can get into sort of a, a way of, of, of behaving that, that, is, um, that, that just seems like the right action that, um, that helps the needs of the world around us, right? Um, you know, we, we can, when we practice sort of an exemplarism, where we look at the example of Jesus, then we think, what does that look like for me now? to empty myself and to serve people and to consider their interests as more important than our own. We can do all kinds of great deeds of social justice, social work, Bible studies, you know, trainings. And, um, you know, what really blows me away is um, Paul, you know, um, he really makes it clear that that's not what he's talking about. Um, you know, um, he's not talking about that way of, of sort of being a downwardly mobile Christian um, and saving ourselves through obedience and through a kind of subservience to, you know, sort of good works, you know, like the Mennonites, like Harold, uh, you know what that's about, right? You know, I was a Mennonite. We were accepted with the Mennonite Central Committee to help refugees fleeing from El Salvador. You know, um, we were like uh, the gospel gangsters of the Christian left, you know, and, uh, but Paul makes it really clear that, uh, you know, that the flesh, that a lot of that can be just part of the flesh. Um, you know, he says, look, if anyone has confidence in the flesh, um, I, I, have, I have a lot more. Um, and then he gives all of his credentials, right? And uh, circumcised on the eighth day, nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, zealous, persecutor of the heretics, righteousness, you know, like blameless, like um, Paul was like your, your ultimate religious, uh, like do-gooder, righteous one. But look what he says in verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, these things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost. In, in, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is what Paul is emphasizing, not doing the deeds of, of following his example. Okay, though clearly we're called to be inspired by his example. But all of that is a loss. The righteousness, according to the following the practices of being, uh, you know, sort of a, a woke Christian, as they use the term now, or, a, you know, like a progressive activist type, or whatever you are, whatever is considered like righteous in your circle. All of that, um, Paul says, um, is nothing compared to knowing Christ, my Lord. You know, having that knowing him, knowing Jesus, really having a relationship with Jesus. And that's challenging. How do you have a relationship with the living Jesus? Um, it's easier in a lot of ways to do farming projects, to, you know, to make compost piles, to visit uh, single moms, to do one-on-one -on -one prayer appointments, to lead Bible studies, to write books, to do all these things. 
Paul says, um, for whom he says, for Christ, knowing for Christ, he suffered the loss of all things and counts them but rubbish. Um, that's, that's a proper British term for scubilos, which is just literally shit. Um, he counts them all as shit um, so that he can gain Christ. Like all of the good works that, uh, that could come through practicing Philippians 2, like we did, isn't shit compared to knowing Christ and being found in him, um, not having a righteousness of our own, right? Um, but being found in him, in him, in that place of um, union with Jesus through uh, loving him and worshiping him and adoring him and being in a, a dynamic relationship of trust and hearing his voice and discerning. You know, Mike and I are teaching a course right now on hearing God's voice. And that's kind of what it's about is like, how do we like be in this place of real deep communion where we're hearing God's voice and we're being guided by the Holy Spirit moment by moment, day by day. Right, Mike? And it's like, that's what this is talking about. Paul's talking about a knowing of Jesus um, that is uh, not being subservient to a law or sort of a, 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 the, the ultimate sort of sensitive um, anti-white supremacist practice, which everyone is wanting to find these days, you know, um, as a way to save ourselves, especially guilty white people. You know, we're all looking for the, the practice that will, that will, will be fundable, ideally, too, that will help us, you know, save our wretched, you know, guilty souls. Um, but it's really not about that. It's righteousness that um, is through faith in Christ. And literally, it's the faith of Christ. Righteousness that's through faith of Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. This, this righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, we can only step into it by receiving it from God. You know, by, by being in a relationship where we're hearing uh, the instructions from the Father, um, you know, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, that I may know him, Paul says. And, um, and out of that knowing, um, and comes the next thing, and the power of his resurrection. When we know Jesus and we're acting out of knowing him and being guided by him, there's power that gets released, okay? Because we're doing what the Father's, what we see the Father doing. Like Jesus says, I don't do my own will. I don't do even uh, the cool thing to do. Um, if I was trying to practice Philippians or Isaiah 50, 61, like Jesus, he could have thought, well, I'm going to practice Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So preach the gospel to the poor. That's what I'm going to do. Village to village to village. He did it. But it's not just about doing the works. And Jesus did um, only what he saw the Father doing. That I mean know him. So knowing him. And it was out of that knowing that comes the power of, of the resurrection. And in, in following that comes the fellowship of his sufferings. The sufferings are going to come after the through the knowing and the, through the power, not just some bliss, a gleeful, blissful glory of just being walking on a cloud or something. Like actually stepping into the ministry of Jesus is through knowing Him and being guided by Him is what leads us downward to the cross. It's not through deliberately trying to do what He does. It's through 
listening to what he calls us to do, that's what leads us downward. It's the relationship that will lead us to the, to the cross, to the death. Being conformed to his death is the third thing. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So we ourselves are on this trajectory, this journey of going downward from um, privilege to death on a cross to, which is the only way to head up in the other direction of the resurrection is through actually following Jesus to the point of death. Uh, not out of some program, but relationally, because we love him and we know him. And, and um, so this brings us now to chapter one. I want to, you know, it's really dangerous to read the Bible just like one chapter, say Philippians 2. You got to read what comes before, what comes after. So chapter one kind of blew me away recently. Paul writes in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. It's not to, to live is um, to be a sensitive proclaimer, uh, pastor, activist, uh, teacher, you know, traveler, um, missionary. No, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What? You know, to die is gain? No, I thought like fruitful ministry is gain. Dying, that's, that's what we want to avoid. Paul says, but for if I'm to live on in the flesh, if this will mean fruitful labor for me, okay, he understands fruitful labor. And I do not know which to choose, though, he says, for I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. Wow, this Paul has a confidence in Jesus, um, the reality of Jesus as a living Savior, that I sometimes think I don't have and that I need more of. Um, he can't decide whether he'd rather die or live. He'd rather die because he's so confident that he's going to be with Jesus we love so much. Um, he says, for that is very much better to die, Mike. So my mom's in a better place. And it became really clear to me. I could see that she was in a better place because her body was falling apart. Mine's not falling apart yet, so... I don't think I'm ready to go to the better place. And I'm not convinced enough that, that that's better. <laughs> you know, I, maybe I would be if I was like, you know, suffering from Alzheimer's or like on a dialysis machine or, or just falling apart like my mom was. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake, Paul says. So Paul's willing to hang around for the sake of love of others. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. This is where I hope that I'm going to be able to stay for a while, because I feel like I really do want to keep living. And, um, and all of us who are going to continue to live, this is what Jesus is inviting us into, is a life of uh, of just um, being willing to hang around for the sake of everyone's progress in the faith. But knowing that, wow, dying and being face-to-face -face with the resurrected Jesus in person, that's going to be the best ever. So, you know, that's our destiny. And where we're headed after this life, after death, is going to be just top of the line. So we don't need to fear death in any way.
and, 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 and we can be moving downward in confidence that the worst thing that can happen to us is the best thing that can happen to us. So now I'd like to just end by looking at the end of chapter 3. We're just bouncing around here between 2, 1, and 3. Paul says, um, not that I've already obtained it. That is, um, he hasn't attained the resurrection from the dead, right? Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. Okay. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So we, we move forward so that we can lay hold of that which we've been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Okay, so this is where I'm at. This is where probably all of us are at if we're still alive, um, which we are, if you're listening to this uh, talk. Um, we have not yet um, laid hold of it. But one thing that I do, and that I want to invite you to do, and I want to, I want to do this, and I'm going to try to really do this, forgetting what lies behind, that's really hard because we can think of all the great things we've done, all of our amazing experience. We can lean on that experience and think that we know how to handle all the most prickly, tricky, difficult situations. And um, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. You know, don't lean on the shit, okay? The righteousness that comes according to the law, that all of your good deeds, don't lean on that shit. That's like, it's shit. Forget what lies behind. In reaching forward to what lies ahead, okay, the newness, um, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we just need to look forward, you guys, and not look back and be, and be looking um, to what Jesus has for us right after today's sermon and worship here, you know, tomorrow, the next day, every day. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you're different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. So look at that. Even if you get it, you don't completely catch this, God will reveal it to you. So you don't need to stress. But let's pray that God would help us um, remember what we need to remember and reorient ourselves. God, I just thank you um, for Paul and his amazing, um, his amazing revelation about knowing you, Jesus. And I, um, knowing you and having such a confidence that dying for him would be better. But I just thank you, Lord, that we get to live. Um, but, Lord, we want it to be fruitful service. It just help us to not get tripped up by the past, all the good things, the accomplishments, or the bad traumas and painful things, but to be able to forget what lies behind and press on to the upward call that we have. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice and to be able to move forward, uh, which will be downward, because your path is a path of, of just service um, and, um, and life and giving of our lives. So help us to do that faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen.